everyone, and welcome to the European Startup Show, where every week I talk to exciting startups in Europe to learn more about their challenges and strategies they use to scale their business. I'm delighted to have with me the two co-founders, Laurel Quinn and Aishal Quinn of Sustainably, a fintech company that has made doing good as simple as buying coffee with your mobile phone. Laurel and Aishal are not just amazing women entrepreneurs, they're also mother and daughter, which makes today's show that much more special for me. I've followed their journey for the past one year and I've been so impressed with what they have built at Sustainably and really am looking forward to our chat today. So welcome Laurel and welcome Aishal. Thanks, Anita. Thank you so much for having us. I thought I'd start off with something easy. Maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about how you started the company and some of the you know, roadblocks or breakthroughs you had as you were starting sustainably. So a little bit about the story of your background. Yeah, so yeah, I was working for a big investment company as head of digital marketing and digital strategy. And I was doing a course called Google Squared, which was all around disruptive innovation. And kind of after that, it got me thinking, why am I not doing something different? So Agile at the time was working in ethical retail. And I had this initial idea for this business that would make it really easy for everyone to do good as part of everyday life and it kind of grew from a set of post-it notes on the kitchen wall into like scribbling down a business plan into applying for an accelerator where we thought we would get all the payments data that we needed really quickly from one of the major banks and it kind of didn't work out like that did it (laughs) (laughs) yeah naivety is bliss but I was yeah I was working for a company called Neil's Yard Remedies I was going on a lot of training that was heavily focused on how you can be more ethical and the things you buy and I was bringing that home so we were vegan you know we were really focused on what we were buying and making sure that everything was ethical and it it is very it's hard you know it's very hard and Laurel's idea was well what if you could do good do something good every time you're shopping regardless of the things that you're buying because in this day and age it's hard to make everything you buy (laughs) be good um I was just dipping my toe into what she was doing at the time and it wasn't until we went to interview to get on this accelerator um, which was part of RBS and I was just kind of coming along as a buddy and then Laurel for some reason just got so nervous I you know all of a sudden she wasn't nervous to begin with she wasn't nervous the whole way there and I was just super chill and then we got in the room and something just snapped and she was like <laughs> she was like having some kind of reaction and so I then had to step in and do the pitch kind of and I wasn't expecting that but by the end of it we actually did get in and that was the the time that we really had to have a decision of right we're gonna go for this we're gonna quit our jobs we're gonna put a hundred percent of our time into this to make it a reality and that was five years four years ago mm-hmm. um so it's been a long journey because at mm-hmm. the time we didn't know anything about the financial side of the payments industry that we were going into and all the legislation we would need to apply for and all that kind of stuff we had no idea so yeah it's been a fun ride. So did you get into the accelerator and then you quit your jobs? Is that yeah. what, you, what you did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. And we actually and I naively thought, we'll, we're in this banking accelerator. We're, they're um, building APIs so we can access all the transaction data. And we'll build this thing in six months. We had no team. No yeah, fun, I think the mentors. No financial backing. Yeah, we actually got in as what they called in the program wild cards. So it was like <laughs> they kind of half believed in what we were doing. 
thing that they were like, these people are kind of crazy. And our mentors that we got assigned to were just like, you guys have no clue. And we were getting from them like, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do this. And we would just show up every week and say, we are going to do this. We're going to figure it out. And they would be like, well, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And we're like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so we just started hacking the bank, not not the, the banking. We started speaking to everyone in the bank that we could get advice from until they shut that down. And they were like, you have to come through us now. There's too many people involved we were doing you know focus groups and everything with the staff it was really it was a really great um sort of time to do all that sort of mm-hmm. in, initial customer validation work what do you think kept you guys going when everybody's saying you can't do this and you know you haven't really thought about it what kept you guys going um I think it was the sort of the, the basically the sort of what it was we were trying to achieve, achieve was really big and we've kept on getting more validation that we were getting somewhere with it so yeah it wasn't necessarily about the mentors saying this is going to be really hard have you thought about this have you thought about that it was kind of just the fact that when we went and spoke to potential customers we were getting all this really good feedback when we spoke to good causes again we were kind of getting all the really good feedback and there wasn't anything in the market that was doing what we're doing so yeah. we sort of thought we were onto something and yeah. I mean you have to have that like built yeah. in resilience uh-huh. like I always say we're like Teflon you know you have to keep going mm-hmm. but there there has been so many points in this journey that it's like we've we've come to the very edge of it being so tough that you kind of do want to quit but then something I don't know it mm-hmm. like something from the universe has always like sent us this glimmer of hope which is like okay well we have to keep going you know uh-huh. it pushes you to the absolute very edge and then you get something good you know and it is a roller coaster of like high highs and low lows you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So, so let me quickly have you guys talk about what sustainably does. Yeah. So it, it's a new way of living and giving. So you connect your card to sustainably through open banking. And then when you shop, we micro donate your spare change and your employer and retailers that you shop at will be able to give that the, to the cause that you care about. So it's all about a, a kind of a network of the brands you love and yourself doing good and actually solving some of the big challenges. So with sustainably at the moment, you can remove plastics from the ocean. You can help someone who is homeless. You can get involved in enterprise education for children. You know, there's so many different things that you can do and we're adding new causes all the time. So it's, it's all about closing the feedback loop so you can understand what you do is having a really positive impact you can be in control of your giving all in one place so we're creating lots of different ways for you to give to good causes and see your impact and get your employer and retailers that you shop at involved yeah so at the moment we have two ways to give through the app so you can either give through roundups like Laurel mentioned or this other product we have called monthly happiness which is like a kind of better version of a direct debit you can set it you can just pause it instantly you can change the charity whenever you want and with sustainably we're trying to make it easy for people to have total control over their giving but then also to see the impact they're having so whenever they give on sustainably they get an impact story from the charity and the charity doesn't know who you are you get to give with complete 
anonymity and then they can just go and read that little story in the app. But we're really working on how we measure that impact with the do get so that we can push that back through to the supporter. So it's all about positivity. It's never about this is a really dire situation. There's loads of things going on in the world that are just so awful. It's kind of like we're, we're quite fatigued in a way. We're trying to make this something positive that you're inspired to want to do good. You know, that could be fairly small, but as a wider community together of people doing good, it can be really big. No, that's really good. So the pandemic has hit. There are a lot of people that are really struggling, right? The whole world has turned upside down since the beginning of this year. What have you seen from your customers that are using your app in terms of their giving any insights on how it has changed because of the pandemic? Yeah. So like everyone, we saw a drop off, drop off in transactions in March when there was the big lockdown, the first kind of lockdown there. But we have seen a steady stream of people giving. So because Sustainably works with your transactions, people are still shopping and they're still able to give those micro donations, but they're just buying different things. So for example, there's a huge volume of shopping in the supermarkets and Amazon, um, as opposed to kind of more on the entertainment side, like eating out and things that was that we were seeing before. So it's just a shift. And we have a regular um, a, a really loyal group of users that are kind of giving um, sometimes every every couple of days to chunks of cash to, to um, causes that they care. So that hasn't dropped? No, it's picked up actually. August was our biggest month so far. So yeah, I mean, there was obviously the, the, the drop off, but then it's kind of come back again and it's been our biggest month in, in, in August. So mm-hmm. yeah, people still want to do something and, and making it frictionless and simple for them to do it is kind of what we are definitely seeing and that seems to correspond with other organizations like we were just speaking to the paypal giving fund and they've seen the same sort of thing you know if you bring it to the consumer then it's obviously you're making it simpler for them to do it yeah and how have the charities that are now part of your platform can you give me some sense of how well they use digital technology to fundraise and how are they viewing an app like yours? Is it really making an impact to their bottom line? Yeah. So we actually saw in the beginning of the pandemic, we saw an increase in charities wanting to sign up because obviously all of their event-led things had been cancelled. So we were seeing organisations that we'd spoken to in the past come back and say, right, okay, we're now ready to commit. We want to do this now. One thing we did for the charities was we had a small onboarding fee that we've actually removed at the moment due to COVID to just to try and get as many signed up and try and help them out. But yeah, we definitely saw an increase in charities looking in other directions of different ways to fundraise. Mm. But then the flip side of that as well has been a lot of people charities have actually been furloughed so it has been difficult to try and get the onboarding of a few of them because they've got limited resources at the moment so it's a really interesting sector because obviously the way in which they've they're doing their fundraising is going to be dramatically different than it was at the start yeah so yeah i think a lot of the the ones that we're working with um are coming back now so we've seen that the the furlough is coming to an end they're they're kind of trying to get back to normal but yeah there's definitely some of them have been super hard hit um we've tried to promote them the best we can and you know support them any way we can yeah it's it's definitely going to be a big change for them 
Yeah. This is probably a wake up call for them that they need to use digital a lot more than they have been using, not just because of the millennial and the next generation, but even with the current generation, they need to have other means than probably what they did traditionally. Yeah. And I think that has been a big realization for a lot of them that they need to Mm -hmm. start looking at other ways to fundraise. Yeah, cool. So going back to sustainably, you have built sustainably as a for-profit company rather than a non-profit, yeah. right? Could you talk to me a little bit about why you did that? Yeah, sustainably is really a sort of a software as a service platform for brands to give to causes their customers and employees care about. We do charge charities a really small fee, but again, it's based on the volume of users, not on size of donations, unlike many other platforms. Um, so it is about really low cost fees, but really high volume usage. And we don't take don- uh, fees on donations. So if the good causes get more cash, then that's really great. We're just facilitating it with our software. So the reason that we um, created Sustainably as a for-profit organization is that we believe that we're providing this kind of great software solution for businesses. And as a platform, we do need investors to help scale the product. We want to scale it internationally. And at the end of the day, that's kind of the platform that we're building is all about enabling businesses to get more meaningful connections with their employees and customers. So it's more of a fintech solution rather than... Yeah. 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 I understand. We see the, the, this ecosystem that we're trying to build. So we've got the app, which is for our customers, the end users. And then we, we have these two other platforms. One's for the charities to self-onboard, manage all of those impact stories and things like that that we spoke about. And then the other side of it is our B2B platform, which is to really help um, businesses and revolutionize how they're doing their corporate social responsibility, but also to give them anonymized insights so they can easily measure the success of their corporate social responsibility. And we've spoken to a lot of organizations, both big and small, and that seems to be the biggest thing is the reporting side of it as well is just an absolute nightmare for them. We're just trying to kind of encompass it all together. And with having that ecosystem, we see ourselves as being a real game changer in the the market. Interesting. So I want to think about the consumer angle for a second. There are a lot of different ways that people can give. And I know that there's a lot of concerns around some of the giving because of the transparency, how the money is used, where it's going, etc. What are some of the biggest concerns consumers have in using such apps? And how are you overcoming that? Yeah, it really comes down to that lack of transparency. So a lot of time, particularly on the corporate side, when you're giving through payroll giving, for example, you never really find out what's happening with the money. So with Sustainably, we're really working directly with the good causes to make sure that our users know what's happening with their money. And then we'll be using data science to kind of really back that up and help people understand more bigger picture things like how are they contributing towards sustainable development goals and things like that. So there's a lot of exciting things that we can do with the data and working with the causes, but also using other data sources as well. So we're very explicit about the fact that we use the data to enable matching for 
the retailers that you shop at and your employer and that we do not there's no personal data you know it's all an anonymized aggregated Mm -hmm. and then understanding their impact as well so when you give on sustainably unlike other platforms where you may be waiting for a newsletter that may or you may get in a month or two you get instant feedback saying what's happening with your money that day so that's very important to our users that they can give with privacy transparency and control so I think it's really interesting when you put people with financial transactions and being able to help massive issues that we have in society either locally or globally we can really start to move the dial so we'll be using data science to help us do all of that it seems like such a simple way to make a positive impact and um, it's a great idea okay so in 2019, you were Richard Branson's startup of the year. How have you guys managed to get support from so many wonderful institutions, Virgin, Founder Factory, Nesta, WeWork? Can you give some insight and advice on how they can get resources and how they can make their money go a longer way? I can take the virgin side. So in the very beginning when we started and everyone thought we were crazy and everything, um, we didn't come from a tech background. Um, We had this idea that was basically just in wireframes. We didn't have a team behind us yet. And so we started to explore other routes of funding. And one of the ones that came up was the virgin startup loans that we got so both Laurel and myself got a virgin startup loan and um, that also came with mentoring that was really really helpful for us at the time and that opened us up to the virgin family the virgin network um, where we were able to meet Richard Branson and then from there I guess we just kind of grew that relationship Laurel went with him to LA yeah he just he, he really just likes what we're doing and is kind of behind the mission and we won virgin in a top 10 virgin startup competition and Richard Branson then kind of dropped in and this meeting that we were at um, it was a bit of a setup because there was lots of cameras and things and we we didn't know what was going on but we knew something major was going on I think aiming high I mean when I started sustainably with Aishal I always admired people that had people like Richard Branson to be their mentors or help them in some way and it was just really incredible if you have that vision and you reach out to those organizations in whatever way you can for example in Virgin Star Competition. When I first heard of WeWork Creator Awards I was at a conference that was being run by Startup Grind in London and and Miguel one of the co-founders was speaking about the awards and and I was just in the audience and I thought, wow, well, I'll just apply for that. And it's been really weird that kind of those moments, which are kind of almost serendipity, do lead you to somewhere which is much bigger. So, you know, next thing I'm on the stage pitching to Ashton Kutcher and the co-founder of Monzelbank and Peanut and, you know, one of the directors for, for European Vogue. So it's just amazing to kind of think that people like that get your idea and want you to help you succeed. So that's kind of how we got WeWork as an investor. And I didn't even know what was going on because <laughs> Laurel, you know, just basically hustles every day on the business development side and investment and everything, whereas I'm very hands-on with the team and the product. So 
I was just kind of letting her run with whatever she was doing in the background. And then I was in London for one thing. She was in London for WeWork and I didn't really know what it was, what she was doing, but I had to show up, you know, to this thing that all of a sudden they were like filming us both and there's cameras and everything. And yeah, it has been a roller coaster. Um, yeah. What would be the advice you would give to other people in terms of how to be creative about building your idea in a bootstrap manner, which is what I feel both of you have done so amazingly well and it's inspirational yeah Yeah. you just have to raise your profile and get out there so our first investor was the co-founder of Skyscanner we won a competition locally called Accelerate Her and they were the sponsors Skyscanner was sponsoring that for female founders and we met him pitched him our idea and next thing he's our first investor so it's all about kind of just going with your gut move forward you know try and get visibility get get as much exposure get connections as much as you can and then we've most recently we have um the founder of lastminute.com brent hoberman we've got founders factory as as our backers as well and that's been brilliant and again it's just getting connections pitching your idea it's really about you believing in what you do trying to connect with as many people that can help you and then just seeing where it goes and another one i met was when I was just um, at an event and I was asking him, he was the former EVP of marketing for Warner Brothers. And I was asking him if he would be my advisor and help me with marketing activations and various things. And he then became an investor. So just ask for help, you know, get connections, attend events. Obviously, a lot of things are virtual now, which is also a great opportunity to be at things that you may not have been able to be at. And I guess the, the one thing we've learned from being on quite a few accelerators as well is how to pitch yourself in a short period of time you know how to get that elevator pitch if you're at these networking events and you only have a short period of time to speak to someone in a conversation not like you're actually hard pitching them your elevator pitch but how can you succinctly get across what your mission is and what you're trying to build and get people really engaged and kind of inspired to want to help you Um, and that goes with everything like your team as well as your investors yeah inspiring your customers so you have to Bring your inspiration every day. Yeah, like we're just going through hiring at the moment. And that's another thing. You're selling yourself as much as they're selling themselves to want to kind of work for you. You're doing the same. So yeah, it's, it's how can you get that that message across? You've never been afraid to ask as well. You just ask. I just things. email people <laughs> yeah. ask things. She does. She just asks. Like email really successful entrepreneurs <laughs> ask them stuff. Yeah. I was, I'm a bit trepidatious, but, but you just ask. also t- pitching them like what yeah. we're doing, but asking them, can they help? So I, you, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? It's very true. Yeah. Well, and, and you've shown that by asking and, and putting yourself out there, you can you can do a lot. OK, I obviously want to ask a little bit about mother and daughter working together. I'm sure it has its pros and I'm sure it has its cons. How do you keep the work friction away from your relationship? And what advice would you give to others mm. who want to start something with a family member? Mm. Yeah, my perspective, you really do have to choose your co-founder very carefully because, you know, it's going to be a long-term relationship. It is going to be really tough. So with Aisha, we, we have a, this kind of crazy relationship anyway that is really open honest you know sometimes blunt (laughs) we can be really brutal but we bounce back really fast so Mm -hmm. I think for me that's all the qualities I would want in a co-founder and essentially we're mother and daughter but we're probably 
we're, we're, we're not, I guess we're not the norm, we're not normal yeah. mother and daughter. Yeah. Angel is, is, I'm the mother really, but she, she acts like the mother. So I'm always in trouble. And he's like, yeah, I am always you know, saying, no, stop doing that. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we, uh, you know, I grew up and you were a single parent. So it has always just been the two of us in that sense. So our relationship is a little bit different in the sense of, we we're used to being together we're used to being quite close so I guess spending every day together doesn't really matter yeah I mean before um, the pandemic well we are living together at the moment but before that I was going into the office every day Laurel was going to London all the time because we're based in Edinburgh I guess that meant that we actually didn't see each other you know that much Mm. I was probably spending more time with the team than I was um, with Laurel whereas now we are in the same house but we still don't see each other we still don't see each other to be honest <laughs> <We're exactly. laughs> yeah we need to distance ourselves so we can be on different zooms so we do have to kind of catch each other up on what's going on with the different different yeah. projects that we're working mm-hmm. on but yeah I guess we do have a different relationship in the sense of like we are very close I can talk to you about pretty much everything mm-hmm. you know and we just talk it through which is quite nice because I can't imagine if you're doing this on your own, it's just, it's so hard. And to not have that person where you can bounce ideas off, discuss things through, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> love your background. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> it is torture. And you know, have boundaries because I'll want to speak about something and Ashley will be just like shut the F up or whatever. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> you know, it's, too it's too much. too much. Yeah. Because like, you know, you could just cut, talk and talk about yeah. it. So we just have to have like, yeah. no work we're not speaking about work but she can't do that so I'll say to her don't speak about work and then she'll just keep bringing it up and I (laughs) you need to stop and one time it got really bad because I was actually sleeping and she just barged in and just started telling me something and I was just like what's going on you need to you need to take a step back which I think we've found a balance now yeah definitely one of the things you said is that Laurel, you've been a single mother. It's hard enough, single mother, um, taking care of, you know, Aisha, even though you both are like friends. And then both of you quit your jobs and you're doing this, which is, I'm sure, really exciting, but also daunting because of the funding part of Mm -hmm. it, right? So I want to drill in on two parts. The first is, what did you guys do when times were really tough and you weren't sure whether you would have the next tranche of money? I think it's just being really resourceful and kind of thinking, right, what else can we do? So it's been really creative, but it's also been really challenging. And obviously there's still a big gap in funding for female founders. And that's across all um, minority uh, groups that are are under-invested in, essentially. There's just so many um, different people that don't get access to the same level of funding. So, yeah, I think it's just, just trying to be resourceful, be really mindful of what you are spending when you do have the money. And, you know, kind of just thinking, well, you know, what's going to be the case in six months? Where do we need to get to? What's our next yeah. milestone? Knowing your runway. Yeah, knowing your runway. And, and just continually applying yeah. for different types of funding yeah. as well that are outside of the norm. So Laurel will be, you know, hustling, going down to London all the time, trying to get investors, but at the same time applying for grants, applying for different types of funding and, yeah. you know, different awards and things yeah. like that. So just not having all your eggs in one 
basket essentially mm-hmm. and then I think that's really good advice yeah don't rely on one thing to happen because it probably won't yeah. yeah but then also we're a team of yeah. eight now as well so it's a lot more pressure when you have a team as well that you have you know you're responsible for not only just this family but all, all, all of the families that we have and the team yeah. as well so it's just about being really transparent with the, the risk you know whenever anyone comes on board whenever we hire someone new it's like we are a startup this is the deal you know it is about making sure that people fully understand where we're at financially at all times and they feel confident in you know how much runway we've got and yeah I guess it's just it has been challenging we've put our own money into this you know we you have to get creative it's yeah yeah I want to go into funding so what were some of the successful strategies that worked for you to get funding from conventional or unconventional sources? What are some advice you could give on how to get funding for your idea? Well, we applied for various grant funds and innovation funds, and some were successful, some weren't. We've met lots of angels. We have some angel investors. But that, just going back to the grant funding, it takes a lot of your time up yeah. to apply mm-hmm. for those grants. And um, yeah. one one thing that we are doing with the grant funding that we're applying for now is actually hiring someone who will help you in that process. And then if you do get it, they will take a percentage of what you get because doing it by yourself while still trying to run a business um, and everything else, it takes up a lot of your time and it is a gamble because you don't know if you're going to get it. But yeah. yeah. How is grant funding different than VC funding? What do grants ask for in terms of criteria? There is quite a lot of complexities in some of the applications for state aid or de minimis funding that is quite onerous so it is almost like an investment process but it is non-dilutive so if you do get it then it is better than um, having to sell equity to get kind of a bit further along in terms of where you're at with with traction and product development Mm -hmm. so yeah I would say try and get some help from people that have done that before if you're going to do that because it's very it can be very onerous and time consuming then for VCs we have some we've got um, Creator Fund and Founders Factory investors again it's kind of knowing what they're looking for you know in terms of does it fit with their um, investment criteria because there are so many VCs out there that you can't possibly speak to them all and you have to be really kind of clear what stage you're going in for because we have spoken to loads from angel investors again they will want to invest in things that they care about and that can make them their returns so just being mindful that everyone has their own agenda and their own criteria and you have limited time so it's tough to meet the right investors in the whole world that there is out there of kind of people who are looking to make investments. So, but there is for female founders, there's many more kind of female founder specific groups and grant awards for female founders. And depending on what type of tech you're building, there'll be various kind of initiatives surrounding that. So really connecting into those communities and, and engaging with those people to get introductions for people that can help you that may lead to investment, I would suggest as a route forward there yeah and having the relevant documentation so having Mm -hmm. that business plan put together plus a a pitch that you can a deck you can use for pitching and a deck which has a little bit more detail that you can actually give to investors as like a leave behind we've got those documents now but I think at the very beginning it was hard to know what you needed and having too much information in a deck and then not having enough we're in a good place now but yeah having all of that to begin with the sooner you can uh, get all that in place I think the easier things will be 
Nice. Well, we've almost come to the end of the show and I always do this rapid round fire thing. So I'm going to ask, what do you guys do for fun outside of work? Well, I'm trying to run my first marathon. So I've started training for that. I've been running around Arthur's Seat, which is, you know, it's, it's a good hill to, to run up to build up my endurance. But we'll see how that goes. I'd nice. actually like to run it for some of the causes that are on sustainably, but we'll see how we get on. I'm, I've run a half marathon, but the full one will be more challenging, <laughs> grueling. I've been doing the opposite. I've been baking and eating it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good combination, she comes back from a marathon and her daughter has um, yummy baked goods for her. Cookies, muffins, it all, yeah. And I can't bake, so that works for me. Yeah. What about books? Any any recommendation on fiction or non-fiction books that you've read that you want to share? Yeah. My friend just bought me a book. I think it's by Ali Smith called Summer, which it's fiction. I haven't read it. I'm doing, I do a lot of audiobooks on kind of things that I need to know. So I'm just reading Traction, which is the same people that kind of wrote Lean Startup. And I'm reading marketing. It's, it's like 22 things that you need to do for success. 22 immutable That's laws it. of marketing. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading those. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of business books where we get like one delivered every second day. It's just crazy. <laughs> and I feel like we need to put a limit wow. until you've like actually finished one. You can't get another one. <laughs> you get- which one is that? Which one helped you the most or made the most impact? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lean Startup, I think. I really liked Hooked uh-huh. when I read that book, yeah. Hooked by Nuriel. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then I just watched some Netflix thing last night, which is about the uh, the social dilemma. dilemma or something huh? like that. And I was like, oh. I just oh. watched it last night too. Yeah, it's dark. I mean, they, they set it up dark anyway with like the dramatic music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everything, but it does make you think that all of these things that you want to work towards you know you have to be very cautious about what you're building because the way people use it can be vastly different than what you intended yeah yeah so true well we've come to the end of the show um thank you so much laurel and aisha i found the talk and what you guys are doing so inspiring and i really hope loads and loads of people listen to this podcast sign up for sustainably and do good while they live so thank you so much for coming to my show Thank you so much.